glad to be back. Now, I'm excited about this message this morning, and I will get a little bit amped up about it, uh, because I do believe that God is inviting us into the most incredible activity going on on the planet. He's inviting us to change our world by being part of the kingdom advance of Jesus into all realms and all places. And we get to do that through our faith and through our generosity and through our serving. We want to take that all to the next level. So there's a word that we're using to describe the next four weeks of messages, and it's called engage. And I believe it's a word that kind of expresses the heart of what's going on in our church, that we are engaging with God, and we are engaging His kingdom, and we're expecting to engage even more what the Lord wants to do through us. So over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be going into the scriptures to look at how we can take things to the next level. And, uh, you know, God is taking us to the next level. Just this last week alone, I've counted four or five healings through the ministry of this church in town, here. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. People getting set free, lives being changed, so many signs of his work amongst us, and we want to stay humbled and surrendered as the Lord does even more. And so engage is what we're called to do. And uh, this first message, we're going to look at Psalm 67, so you can turn there, and I'm going to read it for us in a moment. There's some other passages of Scripture as well. We'll look at Proverbs chapter 10 and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, Some other passages I'll direct you to later, but Psalm 67 is kind of the main passage, and I love this psalm. Uh, This is a take your faith to the next level psalm. So we've got to stand up for the reading. It's just too good to read sitting down. Words are on the screen. And I'll read them for us. Take it into your hearts. Engage the scriptures this morning. Here's what it says. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right. Here's what's at the heart of this passage of Scripture for us today in Psalm 67. God wants us to take our faith to the next level. That's what Psalm 67 is all about. It's a faith-inspiring song. It was a declaration song that the Israelites would say out loud together when they worshipped in the temple during feasts like Passover or Pentecost. And no doubt they sang it in the synagogues in the New Testament days. The kids would have memorized Psalm 67. Some musicians would have put some music behind it and they would have made incredible iTunes songs and Spotify songs and people would have known it and everybody was familiar with Psalm 67 and they knew that when you said Psalm 67 out loud, it's like your faith is going to go to the next level. It has to because of the power of those declarations in the verses. It sounds similar to the blessing that God told Aaron to pronounce, over the pe- to, uh, to pronounce over the people when he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 
Same kind of blessing. Same kind of declaration. So I'm asking you to open up your heart to what God might want to say to you through this passage in the Bible this morning. And I'm inviting you to engage with God like never before and to take your faith to the next level. And there's a couple ways we can do that. I've got a couple words for you. The words are increase and impact. Can you say increase? Increase. Increase. Can you say impact? Impact. Impact. That's what we're going to look at today. So let's look at increase here. God is a God who brings increase into our lives. When I was 19 years of age, I was living in the West Coast on Vancouver Island, and I was looking for a job. And uh, I had done a little bit of work. I went to the employment agency. They sent me out. Guess what the first job I had was? Moving sheets of Jeprock. Do I look like a guy who can do that very long? Uh, it didn't last very long. And so uh, I got a little bit of money for that. And I'm surviving. I'm living as a young adult with some other young adults. I'm surviving on birthday checks and a little bit of money that I'd made. And I'm running out of resources for food and clothing and all that. So I had this thought as a brand new believer, ask God for increase. So I said, Lord, I need a job. I've surrendered everything to you. Would you give me a job? And I had a sense that that day I would get a job. So I went downtown in Nanaimo, and I'm looking for jobs. I put in applications and stuff, and nothing turned up. And I felt like I was supposed to walk down a residential street, which I did. As I went by a house, I heard the Lord clearly say to me, go in that house and you'll get a job. And I went in there, knocked on the door, thought, this is really strange. Lady comes out, and I said, um, do you guys have any work here? She said, wait for my husband. She brings her husband, his name is Gunther, and he's a short Swiss guy, and he says, yeah, actually, I'm looking for a guy to take apart, take apart washing machines in my garage, so you're hired. I went, yay! <laughs> so I began my career in appliances <laughs> with Gunther, this short little Swiss guy, and he would sing opera over me all day long. Serious. He's from Switzerland. I guess they like opera there, right? And uh, the job lasted two months, and it ended suddenly. But it was the job that God gave me for the time, because God is a God of increase. Amen? God does not want us to go without. He wants us to have what we need, and he'll provide it to us, and he'll give it for us. So think about that as you, as you go into this text this morning. What do you need from God? Where does increase need to happen in your life? Well, we see this happening all over Psalm 67. The word blessing shows up there, and uh, it's right at the very beginning. May God be gracious to us and bless us, right? And then at the end of the psalm as well, may God bless us still. And whenever you see the word bless, remind yourself about this, that that's a powerful word. Now, I know that we overuse the word bless in our times, we say blessings to people when they go flying on airplanes. We say, God bless you. You know, if someone sneezes, we say, bless you. Um, you know, we're just using the word so randomly. But it's a powerful word. And the biblical meaning of blessing is that divine favor comes into your life. Real favor, tangible favor from God comes upon you. And so when you're talking about receiving the blessing of God, you're talking about receiving all of those good things. It's all connected to the biblical view of prosperity. To increase is to be a prosperous person. Now, how many of you know that the word prosperity in churches like ours has gotten a bad rap in the last 40 years? Yeah, and there's reasons for that, right? In the decadent 80s and 90s, we had some warped, erroneous, false teaching 
on prosperity, and it kind of turned off a lot of people in Christianity. They thought, you know what, if that's what prosperity is all about, then I don't want anything to do with it. Some of you remember those decades, and you've survived them. How many of you know it's never good to overreact to error? It's never good to do that, right? When, when something goes wrong and we overreact way over here, we usually end up with another error. We say, I don't want to be like that group over there. They got it wrong, so I'm going to stay way over here so that I don't get it wrong. I want to get it right. And by doing that, we end up in a ditch. Ditches aren't the will of God for us. And friends, it's time to teach on, believe in, and lay hold of the true biblical meaning of the word prosperity again. And I know some of you got nervous just by the way I said that. Relax. It's all anchored in the scriptures. It's all there for the people of God to lay hold of. And we'll see what it means. So we need to take our faith to the next level. That means we would ask God for increase. And that means that we should be stepping into some realms of prosperity. It's all part of God's promise to us in the scriptures. The Lord wants us to increase. Look at... 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper, there's the word, and be in good health just as your soul prospers. There is a prosperity of soul that is connected to the prosperity of life. God wants both the inner person and the outer person to prosper. And so when we're thinking about prosperity, we're, we're understanding the power of that word to mean this. It's to have success in whatever you put your hand to. It's to enjoy fruitful business ventures, to receive increase from God, to have successful and productive journeys. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Anybody not want to prosper? The word is used four times in the, in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. It's the word eudao, and it conveys the idea of whatever you do, God will bless the work of your hands. And then, of course, there's that great theologian, Miriam Webster, in her online dictionary, who puts it in a very similar way. She says, to prosper is to become very successful, usually by making a lot of money, to be active, healthy, and strong, achieving economic success, to flourish in life. Not bad, Miriam. You just left out the God part, but not bad. So it's the will of God for his people to prosper, to be blessed, to increase in the things of this life. We need to engage this, and that means taking our faith to the next level. There are blessings waiting to be given to you right now. I can kind of see them hovering in the heavenlies, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every spiritual blessing has been provided for us through Christ. They're there to access. They're there to lay hold of by faith. In Psalm 67, of verse 6, it says, The land yields its harvest. It's a statement. It's not a request. It's not saying, Oh God, please let the land yield its harvest. No. Why? Because it's bookended with the blessings of verse 1 and verse 7. Of course the land will yield its harvest. Of course you will increase. Why? Because divine favor has come to your life. And then there's this interesting play on words when it says, God our God. Now, why does the psalm writer put it that way? God, our God. I'm thinking maybe he uses the name God twice because he's after a double portion. I don't know if that works. 
You can try that if you want. God, our God. But I think it's more this. He's using the name God twice because, first of all, he's acknowledging that God is the only true, living, wise, eternal, immortal, everlasting God. And he also happens to be my God. God, our God. Our God together in community. This God is going to bless us, he's saying. This God is going to favor us. This God is going to enable increase to happen in and through our lives. And God is saying, get ready for that. Just take your faith to the next level and say, yes, I receive this by faith. I align myself to the promises that God has for me. When we're stepping into the blessings of God like this, we're moving out of the territory of things that are far less than that. Things like poverty, for example. How many of you know what poverty looks like, smells like, feels like? Some of you have been up close to extreme poverty, haven't you? You know all about that. You know the chaos that happens in countries and in villages and in people's lives because of poverty and how it rips into their humanity, bringing disease and sickness and death. In the Old Testament, poverty is described as being poor and oppressed. It's falling short of your basic needs. In the New Testament, the word poverty is actually translated in two different ways. The first way, it means to be poor and beggarly and desperate and miserable. Isn't there a book by Victor Hugo named after that? Les Miserables, right? The miserable ones. The poverty-stricken ones. And when you're in that condition, you're really like a street person. That's how people view you. Oh, you're a street person. You're living in poverty. But the word also shows up in other places, and it even happens to the godly. And it shows up in, in moments in the New Testament when people are under extreme pressure. And that's what the word can mean in that translation of it. It means extreme desperation. It comes from the word hysterama. And we might get derivatives like hysterical from it. When the poor widow went to the temple in Luke 21 and she put her copper coins into the temple treasury, they were the smallest of all coins. They weren't worth really anything. Jesus saw her do it and he made a comment about it on the side. He said, this woman, out of her hysterama, out of her extreme poverty, gave everything she had. She went to the church of her day and she said, God, I don't have enough to feed me. I don't have enough money to pay my rent. I don't know where my next uh, meal is going to come from, but I don't care. I will honor you first and you will sustain me. And out of her extreme poverty, her hysterama, she gave generously. You want to break a spirit of poverty in a village, in a country, in a city? in your own life, just become generous. It just breaks through all of the barriers as we put God first in a spirit of generosity. So poverty is not a good thing. Can we agree on that? Can I say it this way? Poverty, bad. Prosperity, biblical prosperity, good. Biblical prosperity, good. Poverty, bad. All over the scriptures, right? I know it's simple, but sometimes we've got to make the point. 
And poverty shows up in lots of places. Here's Proverbs 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Now, I'm talking to Albertans here. We are far from lazy. I don't think many of us would be accused of being lazy at all. But I do think we'd be accused of overwork. Maybe we should send a letter to the government saying, we all want a sabbatical for a year. We've been working too hard the last two years. How many would say amen to that? Bring it on. Well, you can call your MLA. She attends this church. No, don't call her about that. That would not be good. That's not fair to Angela. We wouldn't do that to her. Pray for her. She's got a tough job. Anybody in government has a tough job. And we need Christ followers to be involved in the realm of government. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 10, 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. It's got this sort of cyclical effect. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse till it grinds people down to despair. That's why we have a compassion fund as a church, and that's why out of that compassion fund, which you give to, we help people to buy food and put tires on their car and other things so that they can survive, so that they can get through. Proverbs 11:24. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. In other words, if we're stingy, if we're hoarders, possibly poverty may come into our lives just because of that attitude. And then Proverbs 28, 19, it says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Chasing fantasies. Does that help ha happen at all in business? Sure it does. Putting all of our eggs in one basket, waiting for that one windfall breakthrough, only putting effort into that. And then if it comes through, great, but if it doesn't, we've been chasing a fantasy. Poverty is not God's plan. Now, I know that some of you are great theologians and biblical scholars, and you're getting a little bit nervous here. Just relax. We're going to get to the full picture of this here in a moment. Just let it land upon you. God is a God of increase. But there are occasions in the Bible when even God's people suffer with poverty, extreme poverty. This is when it's out of their hands. It happens in the persecuted church. Jesus said to the congregation at Smyrna in Revelation 2.9, I know about your affliction and your poverty. He understood that there were people, Christians in the Roman Empire, who were paying a price for their allegiance to Jesus. And they, had, they lost their jobs, they lost their homes, they lost their livelihood. Poverty can happen as we suffer for the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 1, we have this little story here of the Macedonian church. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So here's a, here's a group of people. Here's some Christians in Asia Minor, and they're going through difficult times themselves, probably suffering for the cause of Christ losing their jobs, losing their homes. And yet, out of their poverty, they were motivated to move into the territory of generosity. Verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. This is a unique church. Everybody's broke in the church. 
Hardly anybody's got their jobs anymore because they're suffering for Christ. And so they get together and they hear about this offering that's being collected for the saints in another part of the world and they say together, we're going to be part of that offering. And the Apostle Paul might have said to them, are you sure? You don't have very much. And they're like, yes. And when they stepped forward in that spirit of generosity, it provoked churches all over the place to become more generous. It's the Macedonians. They're an incredible group of people. There are people in this world who are followers of Jesus who are suffering for the gospel right now. They're in places like Iraq, Afghanistan, in the border areas there and in Syria, in Myanmar, in places in Africa. And we need to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ will at times call uh, call us and require us to enter into a lifestyle of suffering for Jesus. And in that suffering, we may experience poverty. But aside from that, poverty is just a bad idea. It crushes people. It capitulates their hope. And I think that when we're standing for Jesus in a place of freedom like this, we should have no excuses for poverty under our watch. Not in our city, not in our region, not in our nation. We've got to respond in ways that will be strategic and wise, of course, but I believe we can ask God for increase so that we can alleviate the problems of poverty. Where are the problems of poverty? They're all over the place. They're in downtown. They're up north. They're in the inner city. There's all kinds of places where people, even in our nation, are afflicted by it. So as you think about your faith going to the next level and increasing your belief in God to bless you, uh, you might have had this experience. Uh, You might have started tithing maybe last year. We do a series like this about once a year, and uh, maybe last year you you took a step forward and you said, we're going to do that, and you started honoring God with this portion. After about three months in, you went, this is too hard, and you gave up. And the reason that that happened maybe is because your faith didn't increase. It's not just an economic matter, you see. Uh, When we're honoring the Lord with his portion, uh, it means that we're trusting in him with our faith to supply all of our needs and to take care of us. We've got to lift our faith to another level in order to respond in those ways. So I'm just encouraging you to respond to the Lord today. He wants your faith to go to another level. He wants you to trust him for more, for increase. And as you do that, you might want to ask the Lord what he thinks about your dealings, your work, your career, your business, your education, your mortgage, your investments, your financial scenario. You might want to ask him, God, what is it that you would have to say about the way I live my life in these areas? Do you want him to give you increase? If you do, and you should ask him for that, it requires settling the issue of ownership once and for all. We've got to understand who's the real owner here. And Psalm 24 at verse 1 tells us, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I think that includes us. The world and all who live in it. They all belong to God. Every person, every business, every automobile, every ministry, every church, every organization, it all ultimately belongs to God. 
God owns everything. We are the managers and caretakers and stewards of his stuff on his behalf. That's our role. So as you think about your life, who owns it? God owns it. God has a future for you that's full of blessing. He actually has so much ready to pour out on us that we probably can't even fathom how great and large and immense the blessing is. We just have to get into the posture of being ready to receive it. God wants us to increase. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. I really, really love this chapter. In fact, I've highlighted it so much I can barely read my, my verses anymore. So, Deuteronomy chapter 28, let's look at, I'll start with verse 2. It says, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you. And then in verse 3, it starts listing the blessings. All right, so you guys ready for blessings? I'm going to proclaim them over you. You can just lay hold of them by faith. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. So all you acreage people, you get in on the blessing. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Divine favor, it's saying, is coming your way. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. There's the word prosperity. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. Down to verse 11. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, and send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. Isn't that good? Tremendous blessings. Part of the covenant of God. This is God's will for our lives, that we would be blessed in that way. That we'd see His divine favor upon our children. His divine favor upon our jobs. His divine favor upon our relationships. His divine favor upon our church. His divine favor upon our extended families. His divine favor upon our city. This is His blessing. It comes right out of His covenant relationship with us. Now, if you've been looking at your Bible with a little bit more penetrating eyesight, you might see something else here in the text. Because all of these blessings spin on one little word. It's got two letters to pull it together. And this one little word will determine whether we become blessed by God or not. Are you ready for the word? You know what it is? Say it. It's the word if. If, look at verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as his holy people if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk 
in obedience to him. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. If. Oh! I get it. So the promises of God are conditional. Mm Mm-hmm. They are. So if I want to receive more blessing from God, if I want to have more increase in my life, I've got to meet the conditions of the blessings. Mm-hmm. The promises are realized in our lives as we come into alignment with the commitment that is required for them. Oh, why? Because God will not be used. God wants relationship, and he's very, very outgoing. He created billions of people. It's like, I like people. I guess he's just making them like rabbits, right? He makes people, and then he just comes at them with the love of God through Jesus Christ to win them all into his family. He wants every single person to be in relationship with him. And so God puts down some conditions so that those people that don't know him can know him. And that those of us who do know him, we can know him better. And the conditions require us to respond. So I did some thinking about that. I thought, what's the New Testament value system on this? Uh, what are some of the conditions we must meet in order to receive the blessing of God? Are you ready for it? I've got seven things for you. You can write them down if you want. If not, just engage them in your heart. Seven things which I believe are biblically true, and if we fulfill them, we're in a great position to receive increase. Here they are. Number one, surrender everything to God. Everything that you have. Number two, declare Jesus as Lord over your life. Three, love God and love people. That's the great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people, right? Number four, hate sin. Number five, obey the Bible. Number six, walk in the Holy Spirit. And number seven, bless others. Give it away. You live like that, I guarantee you, God will look at you from heaven as if to say, hey, angels, take a look at her. Take a look at him. They're ready for blessing. They're ready for increase. They can receive it. And you shall. So if we're lacking in some increase, maybe go back to the list of seven things and ask yourself, Have I surrendered everything to Jesus? Is he Lord over my whole life? Do I hate sin? Do I obey the Bible? Do I practice generosity? We want to take our faith to the next level. Remember this, faith without works is dead. So show me your faith by what you do, says the book of James. Real faith is always translated into action. Okay, so God wants us to take our faith to the next level. We've been looking at increase Here's the final word, and it's the word impact. Because increase alone isn't the whole picture. Increase is for a purpose, and the purpose is so that you get blessed and you get to enjoy the blessing, but it does not stop there. Here's a really important biblical principle that everything that God does in our lives, even though we reap great benefits from it personally, is never just only for us. It's always to be released in some way to others. 
there's got to be impact. And so in chapter 67 of the Psalms, at verse 7, it says, May God bless us still so that the ends of the earth will fear him. It's the so that clause. We want to be blessed by God? Let's ask for it. So that all peoples will know him. So that every nation will fear him. And right there in the middle of the psalm, we see the psalm writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we see the psalm writer talking all about people. So that your salvation may be known among all nations. May all the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. You rule the peoples with equity. Guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. And there's four biblical words that are used here to describe the different kinds of people. There's the Amin, the Le'umen, the Goyim, and then the ends of the earth. God is saying by this psalm, every realm counts. The people that you live with, the people in your region, the people in your nation, and globally, everyone as well. That's how God thinks about blessing. He's not just looking at people in Airdrie going, I want them to be blessed so that while they live in Airdrie, they get a little bit of a blessing here. Sure, we get a blessing. But he wants us to think bigger than that. The blessings of God are given to our lives for a release. Jack Hayford said it this way, prosperity is not measured in what you have, but in what you give. Oh, so that's the metric. How much have I given? That will reflect my view of true prosperity. So how much do you want to ask God for? I think the only limitation on that is your capacity as a steward to handle it well. And I think if we increase our stewardship and our faithfulness with God, and if we become wise managers of His resources, I think increase is just going to happen. It's just going to keep occurring. God is calling us as a church to not only think about this congregation in this city, but He's calling us to think about this country that we live in and this world that we live in. And we're moving as a church to repositioning ourselves and reattaching ourselves to global initiatives in the next year, and we're sensing God opening doors soon. It all goes back to Father Abraham, right? In Genesis 12, God says to him, I'm going to bless you, and all nations of the world will be blessed through you. That blessing that happened to Abraham was, was sent out from him into the succeeding generations. Guess we, where we are at with it now? Right now, we can say that the blessing of Abraham is largely fulfilled through the expansion of the kingdom of God. So in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus pulls the church together. This is right after his resurrection. And he says to them in his glorified body, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always to the end of the age. How is the blessing of Abraham continued to be released in our times? Through the advance of Jesus' kingdom. Through the proclaiming of that kingdom. Through the healings that happen in that kingdom. Through the deliverances that happen through that kingdom. Through the signs and wonders that happen through that kingdom. 
This is a vision that is worth living for. This is a vision worth giving our lives to. This is a vision worth engaging that God would actually choose a congregation in Airdrie and say, I'm going to reach nations through you guys. I'm going to put people on your heart that are my people in other places and you're going to be the conduit of blessing to them. You're going to be the connecting point. You're going to be the resource base for me to flow kingdom happenings and resources out to others. This is a vision worth signing up for. And let me say this, it's not, a just, it's not only about what happens inside the church walls. Far from that. God wants every realm of life to be impacted by his kingdom. The business realm, the education realm, the government realm, the arts and media and entertainment realm, the healthcare and medicine realm, the family life realm, and the church, of course. And the church plays a lead role. But you know what? We're doing a good job as a church if and only we release you well to advance the kingdom in your real life. That's the acid test. God wants his kingdom to advance in all levels and all spheres of life. And when we do that, we're moving towards that final culmination day in Revelation 11:15, when it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. I am looking forward to that day when Jesus comes back. And until he comes, it's really clear what we're supposed to do. Release the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's the vision. Release the kingdom of heaven on earth. Wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever your work is, doesn't matter what your job is. Pick one and release the kingdom of heaven on earth. And friends, it's happening. We hear stories of it every week through your lives. The steps you're taking, the outrageous steps of faith that people in this church are taking every single week is mind-boggling and awesome. It brings God great glory. We cheer you on. And sometimes that will get us into trouble, and sometimes there's going to be some suffering. Reminds me of the Moravians, who in the 1700s were moved by God from Herrenhut to a little community in Europe to go and become missionaries. This is before it was cool to be missionaries. And so some of them got the burning call to be a missionary. And you know you're a missionary if you got the burning call. You're like, I can't stay here. And so what happened was they came up with this phrase, this, this line that they would sing, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. They would say it to each other. And when that first batch of missionary was, uh, were sent out from the Moravians, they went down to the docks. Two young men got on a boat. They didn't have any money. And so what they did was they sold themselves into slavery to go to the Western Hemisphere. As that boat sailed out of the harbor, one of them cried out, May the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. We've got to pay any cost to have impact. The will of God will pull us into situations where we've got to say to ourselves, It's okay to die. It doesn't matter if I get a long life. I just want to see the kingdom advance. We have to engage our world. And God wants to give us increase in faith to do that and increase in resources so that we can equip people and send them wherever they need to go. This week, 
couple members from your church were in a Muslim country doing a Holy Spirit encounter. Yeah. Can't advertise it. Texted them this week, and they're having great ministry time. The international workers that were there were from countries like Oman and Tajikistan and Tajikistan and battle-hardened men and women suffering for Jesus. They met him in a hotel room this week and did a Holy Spirit encounter. Impact. So Lord, may you increase us in our faith and may we increase in capacity so that all the resources that you want to pour through us get released to a world that needs Jesus. I invite our worship team to come on back up. I heard a quote recently from some mission leader who said this, God is about to change the face of Christianity in one generation. (laughs) The day of the layperson has come. It's so good if you're not a pastor. You have so much more advantage in the freedoms that you have, in the connections that God has given you, in the places that you can go. And we want to cheer you on to have impact on the people in your world. So as living representatives of God's kingdom, I'm just offering you an invitation and a challenge. What are you going to do to have impact this week? Those of you who are in education, how are you handling Bill C-24? And all that that deals with how do, you, how do you uphold a godly view of human sexuality in the face of Bill C-24 in your school? What's your role as a teacher in that? Some of you have a coworker that you're working with and they're sick. They've been diagnosed with something terrible. You don't need to bring them to church. Be the church. Put your hand on them at lunchtime and say, just give me a moment here. In the name of Jesus, I'm praying for healing for you right now. Trust God for their need. It's time to engage. Maybe we need to repent of a poverty mindset. Throw that to the curb and say, I don't have to live as a victim to my financial pressures. Jesus wants me to have freedom and fruitfulness and blessing so I can be generous so I can be free to go places and do things for you. I think God's just calling us to stretch our faith, to ask for increase and be ready for impact. So here's what we're going to do. I would like you to stand, and we're going to do something special here at the end, asking you not to take off yet. We're going to, first of all, just receive our offering, ask our host to come forward right now. They're just going to receive it. Thank you, online givers. You're already part of this. Don't go out yet. we got something to do before we end. So go ahead and receive that. Posts. And once the offering gets to the back, we're going to do something called a declaration. It's a declaration for increase and a declaration for impact. And it's something that I believe the Lord wants us to do as a church family. And as we do it, we're going to trust him for blessing, for abundance, for breakthrough. It might be that in your business, you're going through really tough times. I know several business people in our church 
they're going through really hard times. We want to pray for them. It might be for wisdom. Wisdom to handle what you need to go through in the next week of your life. Some of you might be unemployed. This blessing is for you. Some of you are trying to get resources together to do something different with your life. This blessing is for you too. So in a moment, we're going to declare some words over our offering. They flow out of the message this morning, and I think they're tangible. I think they're timely for us. And I'm asking us to take our faith to the next level. The next level. All right? So let's have the words on the screen. We're going to need to say them together in faith. With as much passion as you can dare to release in this room, which should be a lot. You guys ready? All right. Here we go. Let's say it together. God, today we are believing you for provision, protection, and abundance. We look to you as the financial sustainer of our lives. We trust you for an increase of our faith and advance in our generosity so that you may pour tangible blessings through us to others. We believe you for favor in business, increase in our work, capital to start new ventures, contracts, clients, resources, and careers that flourish. We bless those in education, healthcare, police services, government, hospitality, and the arts. Lord, we ask you for jobs for all who need them, full-time hours, debts to be canceled, financial burdens to be removed. As we honor you with our money, we ask you to give this region economic favor, abundance. We ask that you bless the work of our hands, that we may be the solution in our communities for any social need. Give us repentance for poverty of thinking and reluctance to trust you for the true riches from above. You are a good and faithful God and through your presence and by your Spirit's power we commit to releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth that others may know you. Captives be set free. Prisoners be loosed from their chains, the sick become well, the lost become found, and that all the nations be one to Jesus. And we declare that our God will supply all our needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Woo! Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. Thank you. Thank you, God, for increase. Thank you for abundance. Thank you for impact. We align our lives to the promises and say yes to the moment. Powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, just before you leave, let me mention that Tonight's going to be awesome. You thought today was good in the morning. It's going to be even better in the night. 
We have a lot of people getting baptized. And if you're here today and you've not yet been baptized in water, we want you to come out. We want you to be part of this. And you might think to yourself, well, do I really need to get baptized? Is that the will of God for me? Let me say to you as clearly as I can, yes, it is. It is the will of God for you to be baptized in water as a follower of Jesus. Pastor Nathan is going to be over here. He can answer some questions. You can touch base with him or just come tonight. we got shorts, shirts, and towels. We're doing spontaneous baptisms at the end. It's going to be awesome. Ministry team, come on up here. God's blessing be upon you guys. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and bless you. In his name we pray. Everyone said?